Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host of the original Uncloseted Conservative. Guys, today is episode 179, going about my father's business. And it's probably gonna, you know, just move quickly because I already have to go to the bathroom. Uh, but, you know, I started the episode, so we are gonna get through this, guys. Today's show is presented by the Functional Medical Institute. Guys, New Year's is just around the corner. Millions of Americans will be hitting the gym or at least signing up for gym memberships that they'll never use. Don't fall for plans that weren't designed for you and were never meant to show results. Guys, sign up for one of Functional Medical Institute's health transformation plans. Do it now. Do it today before New Year's even arrives. Guys, doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood, they serve patients in clinic and remotely all around the globe, helping clients to feel more energized, get better focus, get better sleep, and lose excess weight, of course. Guys, it's about habits. It's about healing. It's about faith. Sign up for their two-week health reset program. You can sign up for their 120-day starter plan, or you can let them build a custom-made plan for your body and your health goals. Go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash transform and take control of your health transformation today. thejoemobleyshow.com slash transform to learn more. You'll also find the link in the show notes below. Hey, while you're there, go ahead and you know like the show, rate and review the podcast. If you're not already a podcast listener, open up your podcast app on your phone, search for The Joe Mobley Show and hit subscribe. It really does help more than you know. Helps me achieve all kinds of uh, goals for the business, growing the brand, developing the show. Uh, so open up that podcast app on your phone. Do it right now. Even if you're a YouTube subscriber, uh, you watch on Rumble, Facebook, that's awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, but it really would help if you were to open up that podcast app on your phone, whatever you listen to, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, whatever your podcast uh, app, Apple Podcast, of course. Uh, yeah, but just open it up, search The Joe Mobley Show and hit subscribe, rate and review the show. Guys, let me know what you think. You can email me your thoughts, ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. Let's get into the episode. you guys so much for watching the show. Guys, this is the last show of the year. It is, what is it right now? It's December 27th. Of course, uh, we're recording these things now, which is just what we've got to do to grow and to make a better production for you. So while you're watching this, while you're listening to this, I will likely be spending time with my family. If you're watching it live, listening to it live, then I am spending time with my family. If you're listening on the go some other time, who knows what I'm doing? Uh, but guys, that's what, we, what we've got to do for the growth and development of the show, of the brand, of the business. Uh, so thanks for coming on the journey with us. Uh, I really enjoyed Guys, this last episode of the year, it's going to be uh, definitely a bit of a different type of episode. Uh, not doing an interview. I got plenty of interviews recorded. Guys, 2023's content is already 
amazing. Uh, you know, next week, uh, first show of the year, we're going to hear from Chris Zarnick, uh, who wrote the book Winning the War on Talent. Amazing interview. I, if you, it doesn't even matter if you own a business, run a business, if you have a job, if you work in a business for a business, have employees, hire anything like that, uh, you, you've got to listen to next week's episode. Uh, but anyway, this last DJ Mobile Show of the year. Um, it's definitely a little bit special for me. Uh, I'm doing some things on the show that I've never done before. Uh, one of which is we are going to read an entire chapter out of this book, the good book, the only book that matters, that is the Holy Bible. The translation doesn't matter, guys. It doesn't. Um, but we are going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. Uh, and, and not just to read it because it's, it's important for for this particular episode and what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so we are reading Genesis chapter 40. Uh, I guess you could read along if you'd like. Uh, but of course, um, also just a great time uh, to, you know, you listen to the podcast. You can shut the screen off through the phone in your pocket and just enjoy this while you're at the gym, while you're commuting to or from work. You know, I listen to podcasts in the shower because I am literally a content addict at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I just hope that you can... Uh, sit back and relax and really enjoy this one. Uh, because of that, we're not going to have any ads. There aren't going to be any ad interruptions. Uh, we do have the sponsor of today's show, the Functional Medical Institute with uh, Drs. Mark and Michelle Sherwood. I hope that you take advantage of that opportunity. I really do because getting control getting control of yourself and and discipline is such an amazing thing. Hebrew says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it it breeds a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. Um, and guys, I've gone through it so many times with professional development, uh, with military training, getting control of yourself and being disciplined. It really does transform your life. I'm still doing it from a health and fitness standpoint. Uh, you know, several years back, my wife and I, we got connected with John Wheeler. Love you, John, if you're listening to this out in Lawton, Oklahoma. Um, and we we went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and John put that on for us at our, at our church back there and Dayspring Church. So many of you guys listen to the show. Um, thank you. And I, I hope you enjoyed this episode, uh, which is really, I, I just really... You know, this last quarter, Q4 for me, so many things were just heavily laid on my heart and my mind and just weighed so heavily on me. And today I'm talking about it, uh, which is, it's, it's going to be fun. And I, I can't stand watching YouTube's Instagram reels, TikTok. I can't stand watching things where the content creators like, I didn't want to make this video. I didn't want to do this interview. Nonsense. Of course you did. If you're making it, you wanted to do it. You're not a moth intuitively being drawn to a flame. Uh, you know, we're the apex predator. We are created in God's image. We're humans. We, there's nothing else in the universe like us. Um, so I did intend to make this, this podcast that you're listening to. Um, but yeah, going on those different journeys, I mean, going through FPU, paying off $93,000 of debt with my wife, um, you know, and, and finding that freedom uh, is truly transformational. I hope you guys take advantage of these opportunities with the Functional uh, Medical Institute with uh, the Sherwoods and, and go on that type of journey, a health and emotional health, spiritual health and a physical health and fitness journey. 
yes, I am an affiliate, so I get a little tiny sliver, but what you get in finding that freedom and, and gaining uh, discipline and control in that area is worth so much more. Um, if I were just truly loaded, then I would pay for you to go through it. Um, just like I would pay for, for everyone, and I have paid for at least a dozen people to go through Financial Peace University. Um, anyway, so we're talking, uh, we're going to read Genesis chapter 40. Uh, we're talking about um, a little bit of Joseph's story. And if you came up in the 90s, uh, then you definitely saw those commercials for Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And you can see the little dancing and you can see the, the cast holding up the, the multicolor, the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, and it was like that, Cats, Phantom of the Opera, The Lion King. Those commercials just went on and on and on. Um, so growing up a little bit in Long Island, oh my gosh, I saw those commercials over and over again. Um, but if you do remember about that story, Joseph, Joseph, uh, Old Testament guy, Genesis guy, he had 12 brothers. He was child number 13. Um, yeah, no. He was he was the last boy. He did have a half sister. Don't know if she was older or younger than him. Um, but of of the thirteen boys, Joseph was the baby. He was last. Now I know what that's like. He he was adored by his father. He was the favorite. I know exactly what that's like because my name is Joseph, and I am the baby, not the baby of fourteen. I'm the baby of six. And spoiler alert, I'm the favorite, guys. I mean that's just how it goes. Mom, dad. You know, you're listening to this. I, I'm your favorite. I'm I'm the family's favorite. It's okay. Um, I I embrace it. Okay, <laughs> challenge accepted. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, my my brother and sisters are are all awesome, and we don't we don't compete with each other. That's why our family has such a cool vibe. Um, but Joseph's brothers couldn't stand him, and his his dad just openly admired and adored him, and kind of. Uh, lingered on every word uh, that Joseph spoke. Um, Joseph was gifted by God or, or given this ability by God, revealed things to him by God. However you want to chop that up, Joseph could uh, interpret dreams. And he, he interpreted uh, dreams and a lot of, and he would just say what it is. This is being revealed to him by God, really. Um, so he would say these things out loud and, and people didn't like it because he would tell you good news or bad news uh, based on these dreams that he had or you had. Um, and it, it's really kind of an awesome part of the story that gets glossed over. Uh, but before we talk more about that, let's go ahead and read the entire chapter. I'm going to steal, um, now that the Bible's out, I'm going to steal from pastor of my church, wonderful, wonderful guy, uh, Corey Welch, Pastor Corey Welch, um, and just take a moment to thank God for this. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it is true and accurate and, and living and for us and relevant for us today, right now, in this moment and every moment. Uh, amen. So we we do, I mean, I, I love it that he opens the sermons with that because because I do, I, I thank God that I have this, and and that someone, you know, taught me how to read. I'm not in a position where I have to teach myself how to read like a Frederick Douglass. Um, but anyway, jo uh, Joseph chapter forty, Genesis chapter forty. No made up books of the Bible here. Uh, Joseph interprets two prisoners' dreams. Guys, like I said, 
Highly unusual, long read. We're reading the whole chapter. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Genesis chapter 40. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord and the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. I'm going to pause right there uh, at the beginning of verse 5 because I forgot in the introduction to kind of uh, set the landscape. Yes, he did have the 12 brothers. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. They, they threw him in a pit. Uh, they threw him in a pit and told their dad that he was killed by a beast, like by a wild animal. Um, you know, they took his robe, the 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 coat of many colors, and they dipped it in blood. Um, and they told his father that he had died. Um, and then they they doubled down on the lie and they sold him into slavery and in the captivity. Um, so he's kind of shipped off into Egypt uh, to be a slave. Um, now he he finds his way. Uh, under uh, Potiphar's, you know, control, and Potiphar puts him over his household because everything that Joseph does, everything he touches, is just made wonderful by God. Everything that he does. Uh, so anyway, he's he's you know experiencing success and and adding to Potiphar's home. Potiphar's wife uh, wanted to jump Joseph's bones for whatever reason. Probably a good-looking dude like us Josephs tend to be. Uh, and basically, he's shutting her down every which way from here to Sunday. Um, so she just goes into him, you know, and it's like, hey, it's going down. Like, let's do this thing. She grabs his robe and he physically runs out of there. Like he wants out of the situation so bad with this inappropriate woman, this temptress, that he runs out of his clothes just naked and just runs out of the house. Uh, so she, with his robe, she screams and it's like, oh, Joseph tried to, you know, overtake me or whatever. And um, Potiphar gets all mad, throws him in prison. Uh, so he's in prison now. And again, the 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 person over the prison, um, what do they call him? The, the master of the guard, the captain of the guard, uh, puts him in charge Again, because he's 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 just anointed in this way. He gets put over everything. Everything that he does uh, is blessed by God. So he's in custody for the second time, um, and the the Pharaoh's uh, chief cupbearer and chief baker get thrown into the prison that he is in, and he gets put over uh, you know, managing them over their affairs or whatever. So we're picking it up in chapter five, Genesis 40, starting in verse five. And one night they both dreamed the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each, each his own dream and each with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled and, and asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why your faces are downcast today. They said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell me, please tell them to me. 
So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me and on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, its blossom shot forth and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in, hand, in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that should put me into the pit. Uh, so, you know, stopping quickly. Chief Cupbearer's dream interpreted, hey, great, you're, you're thrown in the prison. In three days, Pharaoh is going to let you out. You are going to be restored back to your position as the chief cupbearer. But hey, when you get there, can you remember me? Can you mention me to Pharaoh who you were with night and day? You are the chief cupbearer. Can you remember me? Because I've been wrongly accused for a second time. I was stolen out, stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and thrown into these Egyptian jails two times over. So could you do me a solid when you were with the Pharaoh and remember me? It's just three days, but in three days time, can you say, hey, my buddy Joseph's thrown in the pit, told me this whole thing was going to happen. It transpired just like he said. Uh, picking up Genesis, Genesis chapter 40, verse 16. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket were all sorts of baked goods, baked foods, excuse me, for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. and three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and you will be hanged on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up his head and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. That's classic cupbearer, just three days time. That's it. And he forgets him. That's how, that's how things went in the garden and all the way until the end of time, guys. That's how it's gone. That's been the human experience. Uh, that was Jesus's experience, you know, saying the night of the, the crucifixion, the night before, saying, you all, to his disciples, you all will forget me. You'll betray me. You'll deny my name. Um, you're you're going to do it. That That's how the human experience is, is 
when we're when we're sick, all we can think about is getting better and our health. But when we're healthy, we forget the blessings of, of health, and, and we we forget about all these things. This guy, this cupbearer, is in prison, and all he can think about is his future and and what's going to happen to me. Am I going to be executed? And am I going to be in here for life? Am I ever going to see my family? And Joseph tells him, "Hey, in three days' time, you are going to get out, and you are going to be restored. You are going to be Pharaoh's chief cupbearer again." And the only thing that I ask is that you remember me. You remember me, the guy I interpreted the dream. You know, I I told you the good word that God had. Two years passes by and Pharaoh has his own dreams. I think this is Genesis chapter 42. Um, Now, Pharaoh has dreams and he has dreams that there are uh, seven, you know, plump, fat cows and they come out. Uh, and they're they're grazing and they're eating the grass um, at the banks of the Nile River. Uh, and then there are these seven sickly cows that are skinny and and terrible looking, and they actually eat the fattened cows. But you can't even tell because after they eat the plump cows, they still look terrible and skinny and and you know just gross. Uh, so he wakes up and then he goes back to sleep and he has another dream. Again, at the banks of the Nile, there's there's a stalk. A stalk shoots up and seven beautiful big heads of corn come on it. And then on that same stalk, seven gross, withered, you know, beaten down um, ears of corn grow and overtake the healthy ones. And Pharaoh's freaking out. He's troubled by the dreams and he's asking the magicians and everyone from everywhere to come and interpret the dreams and no one can do it. Two years after the chief cupbearer has his dream to the T interpreted by Joseph in the prison, the captain of the guard's house, he says, hey, you know what? There's my bud, Joseph. He's in this jail. Um, I've known about him the whole time, but uh, this circumstance actually reminds me uh, that there's this guy that interprets uh, dreams and, um, you know, he, he's a Hebrew and he, he gets interpretations from God. Uh, so Ferris is great. Call him up, get him out here. He's shaved, he's cleaned up. Um, he goes out, he's brought before Pharaoh. He interprets his dreams. He says, Hey man, there's going to be seven years of, of harvest, plentiful harvest. Things are going to be going gangbusters here. It's going to be great. Then there's going to be seven years of drought and famine. Uh, seven years, the land's not going to produce anything. Um, and he tells, you know, he tells you, oh, king, you know, Pharaoh, you've got to store up. You've got to just pack out the storehouses with grain and with provisions, um, you know, more than you can imagine. He gives a measurement initially. I think he says a quarter or a third, something like that, to store up of the grain that's produced over each of the seven years. Um, and he's like, you know, you, you've got to do this. And Pharaoh says, you are wise and everything that you do is is touched by God and is made perfect. And he raises Joseph up, who was sold by his brothers into slavery, and they lied to their dad and told him that uh, he, he was killed. And he goes from one prison to being over Potiphar's house to another prison to being over that prison and and interpreting these dreams for some of Pharaoh's chief dudes. And now he's in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's saying, hey, my guy, I am going to put you over all of Egypt. 
you will be the same as me. The only thing separating us and our power is I am the Pharaoh and you're not. Otherwise, we are equal. And he takes off his ring and his signet ring and gives it to him, which is just like from all of those old movies, you know, 300 and, and all those times, the, the ring that bore his seal, that was the authority of the emperor, the ruler uh, of all of Egypt. Boom, he, he gives it. He takes it off and gives it to Joseph. They put robes on him. They put gold chains around his neck. And they say, everywhere you go, every knee and head will bow. Nothing will get done in Egypt that you don't permit. And everyone will follow your instructions. So he goes, he basically goes from a killed off twice over slave prisoner uh, to now he's the number two. He, he's like the under Pharaoh of Egypt. And he goes around, um, he goes around all Egypt and, and stores up everything that they make in grain. And he stores it up in, in the storehouses in the cities and the, the areas around the cities, even whatever they produce, he stores that up. Um, so seven years goes by he stored up so much grain that they stopped measuring it because its amount was immeasurable. They, they had no ability to calculate how vast these storehouses were. The seven years goes by, and then boom, just like God had told him, just like he had interpreted in the dream for Pharaoh, it is famine for seven years. And the Egyptian government is selling the grain to people, which is, of course, they would do that because it's government, right? They're taking your stuff and then they're selling it back to you seven years later. Uh, but there was a way out there. There was, there was a provision. Uh, whereas I, I would rather the government sell me back some, some food than there just be no food at all and everyone is starving and death and destruction. So they're selling it back. And more than that, the famine actually went out into all the world. It wasn't just a famine you know, upon Egypt. It was a famine all throughout the world. So people came from all over to get the grain that Egypt had because of Joseph and, and his, his prudence. So of course you look ahead to chapter 43 and his, his own brothers and are, are going to end up coming um, basically to, because they need food too. And, and, and then the chapters go on and they go back and he says that you have to bring your father and, and they do all that stuff. And they're re reunited, um, which is kind of the reason that they hated him in the first place is because he told them that he was going to be greater than all of them, that everyone would bow to him, including their own father, not just the 12 uh, salty brothers. So we read all that. We, I say all that to say that it's, it's not going to be easy, guys. Whatever it is, whatever journey you're on, um, it's, it's not going to be easy. My journey has been so good and so plentiful at times, and it's been so crappy um, at other times. There are so many times where you're just like, I don't want to do this, whatever it is, whether, whether it was working in the army or at the firm or whatever, whatever you're doing, there are times where you don't want to be doing what you're doing. But I got to tell you, if what you're doing is something that was given to you by God, spoken into your spirit by God, is something that you've prayed about and planned about and you are executing that prayerful and, and well-planned thing, you're executing that, then you got to stay the course. You, you have to, no matter how bleak it looks, 
years are going by. Joseph's life is a disaster. And by all accounts, he was just a really positive, happy-go-lucky dude. He had every reason to not be happy. Um, but but you got to continue mission, which, you know, Charlie Mike, it's, it's, it's what you say in the military. You have to continue mission. There's no other choice. Um, so while this year's been wild for me, um, you know, I, I don't speak about it much on the show, but many of you know, um, when my youngest son, Gabriel, was born, life was pretty chaotic. Um, the birth was was wildly more eventful than we had anticipated. Um, and mom and baby are happy and healthy and alive. But, you know, mom was circling the drain literally um, a couple of times during during that whole birthing thing. And at that same time, you know, and I'm realizing, whether she was realizing or not, that there's going to be a recovery period from this. And at the same time, I have this this deep conviction about leaving um, my my really well-paying job, respectable job with, you know, a, a limitless upside at Accenture. Um, and I just had to leave it, leave the whole thing, hand in all of my government chips and and say, hey, you know, I can't be a part of this. I'm, I'm completely out. I'm, I'm either completely in something or I'm totally out. Um, and as my good friend Asha says uh, from uh, some woman that she reads or follows, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Uh, and, and that had to turn into a hell no for me. And it still is. Um, and they come calling, the FBI's come calling. Um, and no, guys, I'm not in and never have been in the CIA, but they, they have not come calling. Uh, but these agencies call some of my old clients, uh, you know, want me to come back. And it's still a no. And I transitioned into what I thought was going to be the most wonderful job that I ever had. Um, and it was so much fun. And there are so many wonderful people and lifelong relationships that I developed there. Um, of course, talking about the premier fundraising agency that I used to work for. And in almost inexplicable ways, that chapter had to end as well. Um, and it's not because of some flippant feelings that I had. It, it was, it was clear guidance and clear messaging given to me that this is not what he has for me. And it, it's so annoying because the money was great. The, the lifestyle was not great, but we, I don't need to get into that, um, you know, I, and I don't wish to disparage that organization or anyone that works there. Um, wonderful people, love them to death, still have relationships with many of them and still pray for them almost daily. Um, and I hope with every fiber of my being that they are wildly successful because I believe in the mission of that company. Um, and anything that I can do, to, I still refer clients to them. Anything that I can do to help them be successful, I'm in. I'm there. Uh, but anyway, it, it was it was given to me. It was revealed to me. No, this is this is not it. Uh, which makes you feel it's not a literal prison, but it makes you feel like crap. Like what is happening? I you like you keep climbing ladders and then the carpet's pulled out from under you and that ladder just smacks into the ground. You got to start over. You got to go somewhere else. Um, and my wife and I decided, uh, you know, 
to prayfully consider what the next step is and to take the time, take the rest of the year. I mean, this is the summertime. So I had decided to be, to not move into another job or another organization um, for the entire rest of the year. And I stuck to that, you know, what, what we had decided. And I stuck to that and I had not pursued employment or anything like that um, till the end of this year. And, you know, the new year's coming and I am going to be getting into, you know, another career path and blah, blah, blah. Um, and another job to, you know, pay the bills, keep the lights on and stuff. And the show is going to keep going, um, obviously. But one of the things, this year's been tremendous. This, this year, with all of the ups and downs and all of the long nights and the impossible problems with the website and the, all of the learning these new skills and just being pulled in a million different directions, traveling all over the country to cover things, it's been wild. It, it, it's been annoying at times and and so volatile. I mean, the show, it makes money and it doesn't make money. Some some months it's $8 and some months it's $800. And, you know, I, I had brought on some people and made thousands of dollars with. And the whole thing, it's, it's so annoying. And I'm in the car... With my kids, uh, what were we doing? Eliza wasn't there. So yeah, it was just me and the kids. Uh, whatever, we, I don't remember what we were doing. But we are listening to Adventures in Odyssey. And I got to tell you, I freaking love Adventures in Odyssey. And um, if you don't know about it, it's it's basically, it's it's like a radio drama. Um, yeah, it's not a podcast. It, it's a radio drama. There, there are several characters um, and it's just like a wholesome TV show, but it's delivered via audio. Um, and it's, um, I think it's a focus on the family uh, product, if I'm not mistaken. So um, Dr. James Dobson and, and that whole gang. Uh, but anyway, there's this character, Wit, uh, John Avery Whitaker. Uh, but anyway, they call him Wit. And he's just like this wholesome grandfatherly dude that runs this ice cream shop and this like community center for kids. And they, they come and they learn the word and they, they play and have fellowship together. Of course, there's ice cream and milkshake stuff. And they have this, he has this thing called the imagination station, which is something it's like a, like a virtual reality thing that you get into and you can go and experience historical events like in American history, world history, but also you can go and experience Bible stories as the characters or with the characters. Um, and this show, they tackle with such elegance and grace and poise, they tackle the toughest issues in a way that's appropriate for all ages. The eight-year-old, the six-year-old, the four-year-old, the one-year-old's in the car. Everyone listens to this. We Sometimes they're, we're hooked. We get out of the car. We got to put it on the phone and keep listening to it when we get inside because they're, the episodes are just so great. And they deal with the toughest content that life has to offer. They, they deal with death, with miscarriage. They deal with uh, divorce. They deal with abandonment. They deal... Uh, with teens and young adults walking away from the faith or being enticed by the things of the world. They deal with all of this stuff and they do an incredible job and they make it so that all ages can understand. Now, me, I love it. They, they, I learn things from Adventures in Odyssey every day listening to it. 
Um, because one, I did not grow up in a faith-based home. My home growing up was a choose-your-own-adventure. You could literally do anything. You could be a Hindu or Muslim or a Christian or an atheist. Um, and me, I was, I was pursuit of logic and truth. I was facts, history, science, philosophy. That was my world. That was my idol, if you will. Um, and now, you know, my wife grew up listening to Adventures in Odyssey. So she's heard you know, half or more of the episodes. And so she's listening again and really enjoying it. I'm hearing this stuff for the first time. And it's just, it's so masterfully done. Um, Literally, I think any parent should listen to it uh, wherever you are in your parenting journey, even if you're children or adult children, because it really does give you these just masterful ways to approach topics at all ages literally all ages, to include your adult children, to include your peer uh, mentor relationships. If you're an adult, like you're just in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're dealing with things, you know, you're Matthew 18-ing things with other believers or with colleagues or people, uh, bosses or subordinates at work, whatever. We're listening to it and they get into the machine and go and experience the story of Jeremiah. And it's, it's one of the older characters who's probably in his 40s and he's there with the teen um, who, who needs some encouragement. Anyway, they go into the machine uh, and they, they go through the Jeremiah story. And he comes out, he's in Jeremiah's house. And Jeremiah is, of course, uh, a prophet. Um, so he is in Jerusalem at the... <clears throat> at the temple telling everyone, hey, we've lost our way. Uh, you know, we need, to, we need to stop what we're doing. We need to repent of our sins. We need to turn back to God and, and get serious about pursuing him. And he's being shouted down at every turn. And they're saying, hey, we have prophets and our prophets don't uh, accuse us of this stuff. And our prophets don't chastise us. And he, he just says, your prophets are false prophets and they are not... Uh, telling you God's word, they're telling you a bunch of BS, and basically he gets run out of town. Um, you know, he's not welcome back to the temple, or they'll kill him. And you think, how many days, weeks, months, years does he do this? He does it for forty years, and he ends up being thrown. He again. 40 years into it, without seeing a single piece of fruit, without seeing a single um, you know, sign that you're doing the right thing, just having what God told you to do, and that's it. That's your marching instructions. Um, now, in his case, God telling him directly, revealing to him directly. Now, that, that's some kind of wild experience that very few uh, people have. Now, we have the benefit. We actually have God's word written and revealed to us. This is God's revelation um, for us. Jeremiah didn't have this. So we, we have the tremendous benefit of having this and to be able to learn about the complete counsel of God, the entire gospel, the creation account, and to be able to know the whole character of God and pit anything that anyone tells you to do, say, believe, think, suggest, whatever, to pit it against the character of God in the book. Hello? Like, wow. Um, but Jeremiah does this song and dance for 40 years. He gets thrown into a cistern, like, a, like an empty well. He gets thrown in there and left for dead. And then 
lo and behold, he's telling them that the Babylonians are going to be raised up and come and destroy the city and kill everyone. Um, he's, He's been telling them this for 40 years. If you don't repent, God is raising up the Babylonians and they're going to overrun this army, this this conquering army is out there and they are going to go gangbusters on us. Um, well, uh, turns out the, ar- the army shows up and uh, they're knocking down all the king's horses and all the king's men's and they send reinforcements and the reinforcements get knocked down too. And they're like, hey, pull that crazy guy that we've hated for the last 40 years out of the cistern. Um, and he gets brought before the ruler and, and they say, hey, uh, you're SOL. You know, I've been telling you for 40 years and now you're like, hey, um, what can we do? Nothing. You you were supposed to repent and turn from your evil ways and now judgment has come. And it sorry, but you know, you're gonna die. And then Jeremiah, he's killed in captivity. Um, now there is a message of hope at the end, and he tells um you know, the Jews that they're they're going to be scattered to the winds, and they're, but they're going to be brought back um, to the land. So 70 years after that, they do, and Jerusalem is built up. Um, the, the walls are big and strong again and fortified, and and they're, they're back following God. These are the same people that are wandering in the desert for 40 years. These people are up and down and up and down. And it's it's so absurd. We say it's so absurd because they have these experiences. I mean, they're wandering in a desert and food and water is appearing from them, falling out of the sky. And they're still having this questioning uh, relationship with God. And we're no different because, you know, I'm no different. The things in my life, the fact that I'm still alive and I have the family that I have and just everything that I've been blessed with, is a miracle. It, it, it's absurd. Like, <laughs> it's, it's nothing that I deserve. And it, it, in a lot of ways, it's laughable and absurd that this is my life. Um, but the reason that I read the Joseph story, the reason that I'm recounting the Jeremiah story to you is because there are so many people, not just people out there, that see me and my MAGA hat or my, you know, my AR-15 identifies as a stick shirt or or some of the out there stuff that I wear. Um, Not just people out there at the grocery store and out in the community, but there are people in my life, um, in my church, in my old churches, um, people that I've had relationships for years, um, some people that I've known almost all of my life that really have inaccurate and wrong ideas about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Um, And some of it, some of it is heartbreaking to me because I, I get the picture that they think that I'm out here to start a bunch of fights or to spread divisiveness or to become a celebrity or an influencer. Um, and, I, and I've said on the show so many times, hey, I, I wear the MAGA hat and I will continue to wear it. One, it's not a Trump thing. Ronald Reagan uh, launched that as, as a campaign slogan and launched that whole initiative to make America great again. Um, 
literally Ronald Reagan, literally before I was born. Um, so, you know, again, people need to pick up a history book and instead of being offended and outraged at everything. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe in, in making the country great. Um, I do believe in harm reduction. I do believe, as Ben Carson said, wrote, uh, taught, uh, that when America plays a leadership role, the world is a better place, as evidenced by everything that has occurred since these bold and courageous men, these Joshua 1-9 men back here, uh, left their wives, their families, and pledged their their lives and their sacred honor and their fortunes uh, to each other into this righteous cause. I, I believe in all that stuff. And I believe that the world, the net positive is huge. The, the harm reduction to humanity, the creation of a middle class, the, the lifting up out of poverty of not millions, but literally billions of people is worth it. And it's worth having a conversation about and of course, I've said on this show many times and in my short form content that that stupid red hat starts more questions with total strangers, with people that would never otherwise speak to me or I to them, starts more conversations that quickly within 20 seconds lead to the problem of evil, the cross, what Jesus has done, creation, all of these things. It's the most powerful evangelical tool that I have ever experienced. And I was taught evangelism from the great Dr. Daniel Henderson at Liberty University, whose book is right over here. And I read it at least once a year. And I use those tactics. I mean, this guy, like Jerry Falwell himself, will evangelize at the urinal because you got a captive audience for about 60 seconds. And, um, and I, I've done that thing. Actually, here, I'll share with you. You got that captive audience. As soon as you hear the stream get started, just say, what do you think happens to us after we die? And then have the discipline to be quiet and let that person work out whatever they're going to work out and say whatever they are or aren't going to say. And even if they don't say anything at all, they are forever going to think about that time that they were peeing at a urinal and the guy next to him said, what do you think happens when you die? That's a powerful evangelical tool. I use it all the time. The hat is more powerful than that. And I will continue to wear the hat even though it causes people, and there are some people watching, some people listening, that hate it. And I still, I'm flabbergasted that you even consume the content, you even engage with me in real life or in this virtual digital space when you are, are so combative and so hate-filled about everything that I'm standing for and representing and doing and saying and believing. Uh, and it just blows my mind. It's, it, I, I don't engage with the things that I abhor. I, I, I don't. Um, but anyway, you do. and. And, you know, you're the haters. The, the Bible says that scoffers are going to scoff. It's the Old Testament version that haters are going to hate. And so I get you. I get that. Um, but it really is disheartening when it's people that I've known for years, people that I trust, people that I've worked with, people that I've done frontline work with and really sacrificed so much of myself with. Um, when When you all get that idea and it, it really, I mean, it hurts a lot um, because you believe that I'm so off the path and so misguided and, and so um, chasing after something that's so far from my heart and what I'm actually doing. Um, and we don't have conversations about it. And um, 
And it's what it is is a false belief. You you just it, it's you're playing telephone game with yourself. You've never engaged me in a conversation and said, hey, you know, what is this all about? Why why do you have a culture news and politics show? Why do you um, wear this stuff? Why do you speak in this way? Why do you speak at these events? Um, you've just made up in your mind a, a narrative. And more than that, you share that narrative with other people. So yeah, I'm a harm reductionist. I'm a patriot. I'm pro... Uh, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, Pro 2A, uh, all of that stuff. But more than any of that, I'm a Christ follower. I mean, it's literally on my LinkedIn, which since they put the pronouns thing up there, I put my pronouns are servant of God, servant of Christ. And if, if they don't like it, tough. And they haven't taken it down because I can see that they can see the stickiness and that like, ooh, shoot. Um, but I do what I'm doing because it is what God, my father, has told me to do. And I believe that as strongly as Joseph believed in the interpretations being given to him by God of the dreams, and as strongly as Jeremiah believed in what was revealed to him as prophecy, which we now have as the book of Jeremiah, that is how fervently I believe in this because I have had multiple undeniable encounters with God or the Holy Spirit, many with the Holy Spirit, but at least two with God the Father where I've been specifically told to do something and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it if it's, if it's volatile like it is now for 40 years or forever. Um, or if people continue to throw stuff and throw hate and spit at me and all this stuff and, and curse me out in the street when I'm walking with my family and, and flick me off and accost me and all that stuff, that stuff sucks. But I am going to keep doing my father's business, period. And there are... And I, I, I've talked around it a lot, and I'm not going to say their names, but there are people in my life that are really important to me that have the wrong idea about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Uh, and they also have a wrong idea that they want me to stop doing it because they believe that it's divisive or hateful or whatever. And everyone's entitled to their own wrong opinion and that's whatever. Um, but they're wrong and they're misguided. And, and what I'm doing is a good thing. I'm going to continue to do it. And it's so... I don't want to be combative, but it's so friction-based. Like, man, oh, man. And, and that, that's one of the classic signs. Like, this is what I've been told to do. And it is so friction-based. Not smooth sailing at all. Everything goes wrong all the time. All the time. But I have to continue doing what I'm doing. I have to continue about my father's business. So I'm going to leave the show. I'm going to leave the show with an awesome... Uh, this this show's not monetized, obviously, on any of the platforms. This episode is not monetized on any of the platforms that it's on. Um, so, you know, copyright, clear. Uh, but I, I'm going to 
finish out the show. Uh, worship song is going to play, and um, Jeremy Riddle, um, Spirit Breakout, and uh, her name just popped right out of my head. Is it Darlene? It's um, it's Sheck. It's uh, it's the woman. She works for Hill. She was like one of the founders of Hillsong. She wrote all of those songs. And I can't remember her name at all, but she comes out and she prays the most amazing prayer at the end, um, which is my prayer for today. It's my prayer for you. I hope that you stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, you know, put the device down and just listen to the song. If you're watching on video, then you can watch it. Um, but really, man, really just listen to it. Um, this this is a great episode for podcasts and not for the visual elements at all. This is just a great episode to be listened to. Um, but it just closes the loop so well for me because I'm, you know, it's a couple of years ago. It's three, four, five, whatever years ago. I'm I'm on the road from Fort Sill, I'm driving down to Dallas to get polygraphed again because I was in that that federal agent pipeline with all of the agencies, FBI, ATF, DEA. This was the United States Secret Service. I'm driving down to Dallas and I'm listening to this song and I am an emotional wreck by myself in my car. I'm feeling... I'm feeling the weight of the human trafficking battle that I was engaged in when I was on the human trafficking task force out in Oklahoma. I'm feeling all of the loss and sadness, the men, the women um, who who we lost, the infants, the two-year-old baby that we lost, that I, I'm, I'm just feeling it all. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, why is it so hard? We're we're training state, federal, and local law enforcement. We're in there with prosecutors and all these attorneys and medical professionals, educators, and it's so much friction all the time. And we're in there with policymakers and in and out with freaking senators and congressmen and and the chief executives of the state, and it should be easy sailing. We're doing a good thing. We're doing our father's work, and it's so much friction all the time. And honestly, I just felt like a huge failure, and I felt like all of our efforts were for naught, and the problem was too big, and we were never going to move the needle at all. Um, And I'm driving, and I... there's there's this moment in the song and my eyes look over to the side of the road at a truck stop right at this moment where she's she's out here and she's saying the prayer and she reads she reads this verse that I'll read in a moment but I I my eyes glance over at a truck stop and I just burst into tears seeing the truck stop. And if you know anything about human trafficking, you know that the trucking industry um, is a, a, major, a major contributor to it, a major issue around it. And they're great organizations. Truckers Against Trafficking is one of them. Um, but she reads, she reads this verse here, Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And it's in that moment that I realized that this whole thing, this human trafficking thing, this everything that's going on is not up to me. The outcome's not up to me. What's going to happen is, or not happen, who's going to live and who's going to die, who's going to be rescued and who's going to live in these lives of captivity isn't up to me. And what I can do is pray, is pray and send things up and pray and let things come down down from God to me, instruction, um, ways of looking at things, perspective, wisdom, things that I needed for my own emotional and spiritual and mental health. Let all of that stuff be poured out of him into me in the prayer, that two-way prayer, and then planning and executing on the things that he tells me to do. Um, which one of those things at that time in life was to take a knee and get out of the human trafficking fight. Uh, fought in it for over half a decade. Take a knee, focused on the family again, <laughs> James Dobson. Um, yeah, but anyway, guys, in that same way, this this is the podcast. This is my story of today. Like Joseph, no matter how bad things are going to be, like Jeremiah, no matter how much I'm ignored or how much friction there is, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing my father's business, period. There's no power on earth. There's no power of man that's going to make me stop. Um, it's deeply discouraging. The It's deeply hurtful and discouraging the relational toll of it all. Um, but you know, if that's the price of obedience, then whatever, then it is what it is. Um, I encourage you guys to listen to the song. I encourage you guys to, to take in the the words of this verse, second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. This is what we can do. This is what I can do. This is what you can do. Um, enjoy the song. I will see you guys in the new year. That's all I got. Yeah. yeah, just the voices. Let's just sing. Just lift up your voices even now. Let's just sing. We give you glory and honor and blessing. Yeah, activate your song. Lift up your song of praise. There's power in voice. Yeah.
heaven now, just like you wanted, yeah. Let it come, let it come, Lord. Let it come, let it come, like a of worship, you know, I felt a responsibility and I think you will too. We need to pray for the nations. 
We just need to pray for the nations. Our nations are in uproar. They're in ache for the want of God. They're aching, they're groaning. And it is our time to stand up and just to pray for our nation. Let's pray for the United States. Let's pray for Australia. Let's pray for every continent. Let's lift up our voices and wherever the Lord, whatever He places on your heart right now, I really just challenge you and charge you to let the core of your belly cry out and let's intercede for the earth right now. Can we spend a couple of minutes truly interceding for the world right now? Come on, come on church, come on worshippers. Come on, lift up your voice, let's cry out in prayer right now. Hallelujah. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.